What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 145 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? We learned a few things this, this weekend in boxing about a few fighters. Uh, one thing is for sure that I thought, you know, this, this one guy was done, but apparently Amir Khan does have a little bit left in him. <laughs> as he put his hand speed on display... On Skype. I mean, dude, this freaking guy. <laughs> he can still beat something, Ken. He might not beat a legitimate fighter, but he can beat that dick. <laughs> I mean, just one of the most ridiculous fucking stories in a while in the sport of boxing, dude. Hilarious. The amazing hand speed of American. <laughs> Blazing. <laughs> Blazing. Unbelievable, man. I didn't even think that was real. Oh, it's real. I I thought for sure it was somebody from the next big pod that was that was trolling Con or something. No. Oh my gosh! All right, I got to purge that from my memory now. <laughs> it's too much, man. Boxing, the gift that keeps on giving. Always, always. Oh man! Welcome to episode one hundred forty-five of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes, Spreaker. And Google Play. And if you're watching the tail of the tape now, you're watching it on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. All the links to all the ways to digest all boxing content from the Boxing Rant is available at theboxingrant.com. Follow Vince on Twitter at VinceCummings81 and follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. All right, Vin, a couple days late into this fray, but guess what happens during the busy season of boxing? You can be a few days late because it gets filled in with all kinds of stuff. And 2017, a year that was shaping up, at least in the front end, mm-hmm. is starting to really fill in the blanks um, with fights that have been announced. And we'll get to all those and fights that are being discussed. There's a lot to look forward to, man. Oh, minus uh, one fight that we'll get to a lot later briefly. I mean, these are really good fights, man. All of them are, you know, maybe not top-notch guys, top-notch matchups and titles on the line in some. Just good matchup, good good fights for the sport, man. Yeah, and have the potential to live up to what was delivered this past weekend on mm-hmm. Showtime Championship Boxing. Yep. All right, so we bring you the post-fight of Badoo Jack versus James DeGale here on episode 145 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. It was the Barclays Center, Brooklyn, New York, this past Saturday night. The ring, WBC, and IBF Unified Super Middleweight Championship of the World is on the line. Um, you know, coming into this fight, Vin, I didn't know or didn't even it didn't really cross my radar that this fight based off of what we've seen with these two guys outside of this involving two guys with enormous heart and guts. Mm-hmm. Nothing about this really said that we were going to get what we ended up getting. And I don't know if it's necessarily I mean, right now, clearly it's the front runner for fight of the year because there's <laughs> there's no other fights yet. Right. Uh, but, you know, I. I think when it's said and done, there'll probably be two or three that are a little bit better, man. But I enjoyed this fight a lot. Oh, it was a great fight from start to finish. I mean, you had ebbs and flows. You had one guy take control early. You had another guy take control late. An early knockdown from one guy, a late knockdown from another guy to even it up. And, I mean, we we talked about it in the preview show, you know, what what was, could be the difference in this fight. And I'm, I I believe both of our predictions were a split decision for, yep. for Jack. Yes, they were. I mean, it was we were da- almost damn spot on with a, you know, we, we picked a possible Jack loss with a knockdown being the difference. Yeah. Jack doesn't get that knockdown in the 12th. That's exactly what we're talking about right now. 
Yeah, I mean that that is what made this thing a draw. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And look, this fight kind of went to script in a lot of ways, just based off of, I guess, this irregular pattern that we have actually been able to fit into a pattern in describing the style and the way that James DeGale fights at the championship level in 12 rounds. Mm -hmm. I mean, we talked about DeGale's inability to sit down on punches because he's always moving so much, right? But that first flash knockdown that happened early, it happened so fast, it really took seeing it from two or three angles Mm -hmm. to be able to see what really happened there and what DeGale was able to do. You see this so many times in fights. I mean, this isn't you know the best example in the world, but when Yuri Gamboa was stymieing Bud Crawford early on, he just couldn't figure it out right away. We've seen it with Mayweather in numerous fights where the early rounds, it's like, okay, 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 this might be the one. Right. And then he figures them out. DeGale had that same sort of surprise pot shot effect with that punch because it came out of nowhere. And not only was Badu Jack's timing really struggling in the first three rounds to kind of figure out what was going on here. Mm-hmm. It was a legit punch. It was a legit knockdown um, at a time when Badu Jack just really didn't know what was happening to him. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it in the preview show, too, with this. I mean, the, the Gale's got this style that you just – it's going to take a while to figure out, man. I mean, I've never seen a guy use his legs so much. I mean, that's his – the way he moves around in the ring, there's no other boxer out there that, that does it the way he does it. And he's able to give himself an advantage – for five or six rounds because guys have to figure it out. But when they figure it out, there is holes to be had. Oh. I mean, he is wide open to get caught. And, and Jack started teeing off, you know, middle part of that fight. I mean, the guy comes out of it with a missing tooth and a ruptured eardrum. Yeah. And I mean, he took some punishment, man. Jack really caught up to the Gale in this fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, somewhere around the fourth or fifth round, it started to really change. And I think that Badu Jack carried and won every single round up until the ninth. Now, you know, the 10th round, you saw DeGale get a little bit tired. Right. Um, Look, Badu Jack seemed to me, he seemed steady, and he didn't waste punches. We talked about how how the one thing that you can rely on with Badu Jack is consistent output. Yeah, he was consistently gauging his range. He was Mm -hmm. consistently trying to get inside. We also spoke about how James DeGale his best bet would be to try to, to not allow Badu Jack inside of his own range. Right. Because Jack is really lethal when he gets just inside jabbing distance. Mm-hmm. He doesn't smother his punches. He stays at perfect range. That's a crafty veteran. He showed his accuracy. He has a simple attack. It is vanilla as can be. It's so basic. But if he can time you, he doesn't need much on offense. As far He doesn't need fireworks and, and, and unnecessary movement and herky-jerky bullshit, does no, he? No, no, he does not. I mean, DeGale, with, with all that footwork and movement early in a fight, he just he, he, he peters out at the end, and once he slows down just a little bit, the openings are there to be had. And, and I was, you know, I, I was high on Jack coming into this fight. You know, he's not, I didn't think he was anything special, but he proves time in and time out. In these last two or three years of his career, since that loss to Derek Edwards, this dude has taken the sport seriously. He has worked on his defense. I mean, I, a lot of punches that I think DeGale got credit for in this fight were deflected off the gloves. I mean, there was, you know, the the de- the defensive posture of Jack and him able to create offense off of that posture. I mean, I to me, I thought Jack nicked the fight, just barely. 
I don't care. You know, it's not a robbery either way. It's not, it, the draw was probably the fair decision here. But I come out of this fight, you know, with a higher opinion of Jack than I do of DeGale. I think DeGale, uh, you know, a hell of a fighter. No, no disrespect to the man. Oh, he's he, got fucking huge balls. Yeah, I, I love the way the, guy's, the guy fights. He brings it. He brings exciting fights. That's what he's brought us in his last two or three fights. But he's just ripe for somebody to get him, man. I mean, when he steps in with somebody that's got the discipline of Jack but has a little bit more to, offensively to throw on top of it, He's going to get caught in the second half of a fight, and he's probably going to get beat. But until then, uh, he's he's still the man at 168 right now. I mean, him and Jack, well, now Jack's dropping and moving up. But, you know, you, you got to give DeGale his respect, man. Got to give him his respect. Yeah, I'll give him his respect. I mean, I thought he had, uh, once again, no semblance of a game plan no. whatsoever. And, no. it, and it got frustrating during the fight. I wasn't pulling for either fighter. I mean, when you when your prediction is between two evenly matched fighters and you pick a split decision, I mean you're really splitting hairs. You yeah. know what I mean? And look, I didn't like the draw. I think the fight, okay, it, I I guess it deserved a draw. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I had Badu Jack winning, but you know, if, dude, without that late knockdown, I don't have Badu Jack winning. No, you know, no. So yeah, it was an evenly contested fight with two guys that did not give up. One guy, um, he was tighter, more disciplined, uh, seemed to reserve something for the end of the fight. Now, this thing ends with both guys keeping their belts, mm-hmm. right? The Ring Magazine belt goes back to Los Angeles and back into the trophy case. Um, that will have to be disputed between different fighters because, like you just mentioned, right before we went on air, came across Twitter that we had heard grumblings because, of, cor- of course, what Floyd said in the, in the post-fight. But Bad Dude Jack has, it is official now, he has vacated his 168-pound WBC championship belt. So when he came right out in that post in the in the post-fight interview, and the first thing out of his mouth was, you know, I'm moving up, and then Floyd comes in, seconds up. Yeah, but the way that Floyd came in, man, he just shit all over a really really good fight. He really did. Yeah, whether there was a draw or not, there was no there was that was a win for boxing fans in the sport of boxing. It was a great fight, a big fight, unification fight. To kick off what looks to be a good year, it gives you hope. You, you see a fight like that as a fan, and it gives you just a little hope moving forward. Nope. Nope. Floyd, no. Floyd's yeah. got to jump in and say, uh, no, we moving up. Yeah. We done. Yeah. I'm the promoter. Why is he stealing the spotlight from his man? Because he, because it's all about Floyd. Well, showtime. He, he calls the shots over there. Still. <laughs> I don't know, man. Look, Floyd is Floyd, and, you know, when he came in the ring and did that, dude, it just really, it almost spoiled the entire night. Oh, sucked the air out of everything. And then he goes into the press conference after the fight and chooses to use that time to promote his strip club. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a man who loves a good strip club. And when I go to Vegas, when I get out there for a big fight, I, I just might take a peek at the girl collection. See uh, uh, Brian King working the door. <laughs> You're yeah. fucking probably right. <laughs> yeah. Or passed out in there. He's the lead henchman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it's just, what are you doing, man? This isn't about your strip club. This isn't about your financial endeavors outside of boxing. Why don't you give your fighter and a guy that you're you're actually trying to sign into your own promotion in James DeGale, why don't you give them guys their respect, talk about the fight, talk about what you're going to do with – with the uh, with Jack's career, what your thoughts are on moving? No, no, 
titties and ass, ass and titties, Ken. Yep. <laughs> and dude, I mean, look, we talked about this in the preview. Where was Floyd May- Mayweather in the lead up to this fight for the promotion? Now, the cra- look, the crowd showed up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, it wasn't a sellout. It wasn't even close to a sellout. But the people that were there had a great night of fights ahead of them. They saw some action-packed fights. They really had a good vibe. The way it was, like, you know, the way I was seeing it on TV, Mm -hmm. um, it had electricity to it. It It had a big fight feel. It did. There's no doubt about it. Floyd was non-existent. He he, he really had nothing to do with that. I mean, if you think about it, if it wasn't for Showtime constantly promoting this fight, if they hadn't scheduled it as the first fight of the year, mm-hmm. when every diehard fight fan is ready for something, and it's a unification fight, so you knew that you had the diehards dialed in, yeah. and Floyd didn't even bring his fucking lowest common den- uh, denominator fan following with him at all. No. He-, he didn't bring it along for the fight at all. He shows up when the camera's on in the post-fight and just takes a huge dump all over it, everything. And from what I've heard on other podcasts reported by people that were there that night are are reporting on this situation that developed in the aftermath is that Gervonta Davis and Floyd did not speak leading up to the opening bell of this fight. Good for Gervonta. Honestly, (laughs) seriously, that's, that's all I can say about that. Like I, I, the kid to better his career should run as fast as he can, as far away from TMT promotions, because he will be much better off in, in the hands of top rank or any number, Golden Boy, I, it doesn't matter. Just get the hell out of TMT, please. You heard what Shakur Stevenson said? You know, he's being wooed by all the promoters right mm-hmm. now about, about Floyd and TMT. He said, nah, man, Floyd fake. <laughs> he fake as hell, son. <laughs> it, t- it takes a kid not very long to figure that out. Yeah, but there's this assumption. Like, there's almost this pressure that's put on a kid like Shakur Stevenson by this segment of the boxing community mm-hmm. that just thinks that it's a foregone conclusion because Shakur Stevenson is black and he is, you know, resembles an athletic, swift fighter, mm-hmm. much the same as Floyd Mayweather when he was coming up through the U.S. amateurs, right? That there's this assumption that he's just automatically de facto like, hey, man, it's like it's like the race draft on the Chappelle show. You know what I mean? It's like... Right. Uh, with the first pick, the Asians select Tiger Woods. <laughs> oh, it's a steal! It's like, it's like, come on, man. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. Like this kid is free to decide. He clearly, he, he may end up signing with TMT, and this conversation may be completely moot. But just oh, the Floyd fact, ain't going to take too kindly to that statement. I think that's out the window. I just think it's just it's 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 remarkable, but it's good. It is good that there is. Uh, a segment of the younger bo- boxing population that sees Floyd for what he is. And that whole generation, Shakur Stevenson's generation and younger, like the new millennials that are super young right now. They don't know who he is. Dude, they, they probably watch their, their older brother or their dad or their uncle order the, the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight. Right. And that was their like first big fight they watched, and they were like, what the fuck? Yeah, I want that paycheck. Hey, but da- Daddy, where's that MMA shit? I see them white boys doing that <laughs> shit in the schoolyard. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I mean, to me, it's, you know, it is what it is. I did find it really, really hilarious how all of a sudden Floyd is is promoter of the year with Javante Davis. So let's go ahead and get to him. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a break. Oh, man. Actually, real quick before we do move on to him. So Badu Jack vacates 175. Mm-hmm. Callum Smith will face Anthony Durrell for the vacant title. <laughs> Callum Smith will still have not faced anybody that's that damn good. <laughs> 
I think it was, I, I, dude, I think it was somebody from the UK tweeted out and said, well, another Smith fighting for another vacant belt and none of them have won one yet. Well, I, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I don't, I don't hear anybody calling uh, Badu Jack a ducker for dropping his belt and moving up. Yeah. Because Callum Smith's been the mandatory for how long a to long, fight him? A long time. Okay. And to me, physically in the ring, it looked like DeGale needed to move up, if anybody needed to move up. He he was physically bigger than Badu Jack. I, I just don't know what I see Jack doing at 175. I think they're, believe it or not, the fighters at 175 pounds, the, the top fighters, are more athletic than the fighters at 168. Oh, they are. So I don't think he he fares well at all at light heavyweight. No, no. Dude, those guys are much bigger. I mean, not, not to say he won't fare well at all, but against the top fighters at light heavyweight, he's going to be in trouble. I think so, too. Um, Badu Jack says that he wants to go straight into an Adonis Stevenson fight. Adonis Stevenson has other things on the table right now that may or may not um, come to fruition. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But for right now, uh, that belt sits vacant. The only question I have, all, all the side story, and this is like the, 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 the footnote to the side story of the side story. How the fuck did Anthony Durrell get another title shot? This guy has not even been a participant in professional boxing. Get, oh, dude. <laughs> so beating Nomar Nespotepian on, on the fucking undercard. It was of, an eliminator. You didn't know that? You know what it looked like to me? It looked like one of those comedy shows where you get to eat dinner and watch the stand-up comedian at the same time. That's what it, that, that whole thing looked like to me. I wonder, I wonder where Smith Durrell ends up. Is, is, is that going to be in America? Because you talk about a fight that will have absolutely no buzz. Absolutely none. Are they going to bring Calvin Smith over to America for that? It'll probably be on the undercard or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It should be. If it's going to be in the United States. I mean, this thing can stand on its own head. In the UK, but I, I yeah, I, I agree with you. That is a question that needs to be answered because the Durrells don't like traveling to UK for fights, do they? No, they do not. <laughs> <laughs> they take uh, L's when they go over there. Oh, they do. They do. All right. And uh, talking about taking L's, uh, a fight that we predicted uh, incorrectly. Uh, Jose Pedraza defending his <laughs> IBF super featherweight title against Gervonta Davis. Now, before we get to this fight, Ben, this thing was so weird in in the lead up. When it was announced, we were both like, kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, like wow, okay. Um, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. Pedraza has had a huge rift with Lou Bella for being inactive. Apparently, Pedraza has a hell of a time getting back down um, to 130 pounds. He had lost 30 pounds for this fight, but guess what? It's his fault because he's supposed to be the professional athlete, but he's not getting fights. This guy hasn't fought in Puerto Rico since he was a fucking teenager. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, that's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. Right. And Gervonta Davis has a falling out with Floyd. And the way it looks to me, and if it is true that Gervonta Davis and Floyd did not speak in the lead up to this thing, Floyd, for the first time in his career, bent over and took one. <laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly, he bent over and fucking wore a, a Lexington steel or <laughs> Or a Tank Davis. <laughs> you know, I mean, because that tells me that if Javante Davis is able to get away with that in TMT, mm-hmm. Floyd knows the pickings are slim in the money team right now. Oh, yeah. Javante uh, Davis knows uh, he's he's the fucking meal ticket. He's like, I'm fucking leaving. Give me a title shot or I'm leaving. Yeah. And he's, he's still leaving anyways from the looks of it. I mean, if they're not talking in a lead up to a fight uh, and it's a huge fight, the biggest fight of this kid's career, launching him to the, the precipice of a guy that people are expecting huge things from now. I, I Dude, I'll be the first to say, I knew the kid was good. I just, 
didn't think he had the experience to step up to that level without being brought up properly, not to mention being fairly inactive for a young fighter. Uh, he proved me 100% wrong, and I give the kid all the credit in the world for, dude, that was a vicious, vicious beatdown. Oh, it was awesome. Beatdown he laid on Pedraza. Dude, it was a great performance. I mean, from, from bell to bell. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the time that the thing opened up with Pedraza's seemingly, I mean, dude, I'm still confused. My brain, talking about Anthony Durrell, talking about Jose Pedraza's fight style, my brain goes to a complete fog. Um, Jose Pedraza, to me, man, completely defied the odds of physics with his fucking attack style. Yeah. He looked, it almost looked like he was like, you know what? I'm going to beat this kid so easily. I'm just going to go out here and do a Vonis Martirosian lookalike contest. I'm going to do my hair like him. I'm going to box like him. <laughs> he leans his shoulder forward, and I don't know if he thought that he was just going to out-physical this guy. That was the dumbest fucking game plan. You are the incumbent. You have the belt. You have physical advantages, but you don't know how to box like that. No. And this kid came out, and honestly, in the first round, I, look, everybody was hyped immediately, and, 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 and these may be new boxing followers to Javante Davis. We watched him for a little while now, but they may have been oohed and awed. And I know Paulie Malinaji had his dick out in the first round, and he was just like, oh, oh, the power of the tank, the power. You know, look, honestly, while all that was going on and fucking Paulie's you know, fucking squirting the ref in the eye and, you know, whatever else. <laughs> Maybe he was watching the Amir Khan video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It could be any of those things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but truth be told, I actually noticed, even with Pedraza smothering his own offense, mm-hmm. he hit Tank Davis with probably seven or eight really good jabs. I mean, popped Davis's head back. Yeah. But in between that, he didn't do anything else except put himself right in the perfect range for a short, powerful fighter. I was wrong. You were wrong. I didn't think the kid was ready. No. He would have been on our prospect list had he not not been thrusted into this title shot. Yeah. And um, probably five or higher. I mean, yeah. It's, you know. Wherever he would have fallen, he has always been in high regard. It's just we have been highly critical of the way that this kid has been brought along. He clearly has promotional rifts. But what can cure all problems in boxing? What can cure all rifts? What can cure all questions about the way you've been promoted? Guys that don't get put in the ring, they're not nearly active enough. Talent, determination, and focus can supersede all of those things. And Gervonta Davis... Looked like a man possessed. This was the best fight I've seen him fight to this point. Oh, by far. It was all, it was very reminiscent of the Deontay Wilder uh, versus Berman Stavern fight. In right. The, in the sense that Wilder was brought along so poorly that, that, that many people were still picking Berman Stavern to win that fight. But what did Deontay Wilder do? He took all those 30 other shitty performances, lopsided, herky-jerky, just uncoordinated, goofy-looking performances and manifested it into the best night of boxing that still to this point, still to this day, it was the best performance, the best 12 rounds Deontay Wilder has ever put together in his entire life. He proved that he could do it in that fight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gervonta Davis did the same thing on a smaller scale. My hat's off to the uh, the fellow Marylander, man. I mean, this kid from Baltimore came out and put together uh, a hell of a game plan, and if he intends on fighting like this 
Now, they may kind of maneuver him a little, you know. He's uh, only 22, man. Exactly. So it, 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 it may take a little bit more time. But if you can go ahead and beat Pedraza. That easily? That easily. I, there's only, He's the number two fighter in the division right now. Honestly. Maybe. <laughs> After that performance, I have to say that. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, th- but think about it. All the other guys that he could possibly make, like, crazy, amazing action fights, the guys that always seem to participate in the fight of the years every year mm-hmm. that are down in and around that division right now, they've all beaten the shit out of each other. So yeah. Tank Davis could line himself up a unification fight with a guy like Vargas, and you can't sleep on a guy like Davis because apparently he's got the heart, he's got the power. And let's talk about the power, because that fucking right hand. Mm. Now, I know that Pedraza was done before that right hand landed. Mm-hmm. That was one of the most crunching right hands I've seen a guy at 130 pounds land. I mean, that thing was just like, oh, dude, ripple effect. Dude, I, I love the way the kid throws his shots. I mean, he, he shoots in from kind of, I don't want to say he's out of range when he shoots in, but he's so quick and just kind of brings everything behind his punch coming in. I. I think the biggest thing that was slept on, on on everybody's end coming into this fight and people like me and you who are picking Pedraza, Pedraza hasn't fought, man. He hasn't fought anybody. He's been inactive. Like you mentioned before, he gained a ton of weight before the fight. And, you know, he's complaining about it after the fight. Dude, sorry, man. There's no reason to complain. There's just really none. He just got embarrassed. It's your job to stay in shape. Stay in shape. I doubt he would have been complaining had this thing gone 12 rounds and it was a hotly contested fight. No. But he got knocked the fuck out in the eighth round, and he was butthurt. Yeah. Hey, look, I, I don't think Pedraza's career is done after this loss, but uh, it's back to the drawing board because you let a 22-year-old kid step into the ring with no championship-level experience and take you to fucking school. I mean, took him to school. Yeah, and a guy that wants to stand up on his pulpit and say that he's being mistreated and misrepresented by his promoter, well, guess what? Your leverage would have only increased had you beaten Gervonta Davis. But, yeah. like, but like you just said, you took the words out of my mouth. This unproven prospect yeah. came in and knocked you the fuck out. Any leverage you had about making demands about getting fights and doing this and doing that? Gone. 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 You're an afterthought now. Yeah. Trust me, Lou DiBella loves hand-me-downs from Al Heyman. <laughs> He's like, next in line. <laughs> Who's at the front? You know what I mean? They got enough fighters, right? <laughs> Lou DiBella, luckiest man on earth. It's like he hit the fucking jackpot. He's got a hell of a roster, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Lou DiBella's got a hell of a roster. <laughs> um, no, congratulations to uh, Geronta Davis. Yes. Um, the time is now, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that Lomachenko-Davis matchup is pretty juicy when you think about it, isn't it? No, not really. No, no I mean it's no. got it's got some maybe got, in a couple years. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I mean the the speed. I don't of, think he's ready for him now. Absolutely not. I don't. I don't think he would even know what he's saying. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's but, got. He's gonna have to get in there. I think with. I'm not saying that that it wouldn't be a, a a good fight. I just don't think it would be now. No, no. You know, and Floyd said so much um, when he was asked. He's like, so yeah, unification fights, unification fights, unification fights. They're like Lomachenko. Nah, nah, not Lomachenko. Yeah, nah. Who that? <laughs> what's he done I, I mean i i the the thought of it i'm like dude that, that could be an unbelievable fight let's see before he steps up to the big leagues right let's see him um get in there and tack mira francisco vargas orlando salito let's get these stepping stones in the way because i can tell you right now 
And now looking back on this, and you know, hindsight's fifty-fifty. But truth be told, is that look, if it were Jose Pedraza versus Salido, Pedraza versus Vargas, Pedraza versus Mira, we would have picked all those other fighters to beat Pedraza. Oh, you're absolutely right. So no doubt about it. So that being said, that that being said, I think Gervonta Davis needs to take that route. You know what makes even uh, sounds even more enticing than a Lomachenko fight right now, just because of where this kid is in his career and where this other guy who we have compared to Gervonta Davis or say that Davis sort of walks in the, in a, in a similar uh, physique and ath, you know, athletic total package is a guy like Yuri Gamboa. That's yeah. the fight I want to see. It's a perfect fight. He needs a dude. Gamboa needs a fucking fight. Yeah. That's a risky one though. If you're, Mayweather Promotions put your boy in there against a guy like Gamboa. That's uh, whew, that's risky. That would be some fast hands. That would be. Even Gamboa being 10 years older than this kid, that'd be something to watch. Oh, that would be an unbelievable <laughs> fight, dude. Didn't even cross my mind because, hey, guess what? Where's Yuri Gamboa? They call him 50. They call him 50. <laughs> he up in the club, bottle full of bubble. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even fucking start that. Oh, man. They call him 50. All right, so uh, let's move on from Pedraza Davis. Davis lifts the IBF Super Featherweight uh, Championship belt, um, and we'll see what's next for this kid. Uh, we'll see what this whole drama is. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put it past Floyd Mayweather that this, the information about their little uh, riff isn't purposely leaked to cause drama, just like it was purposely leaked that <laughs> Floyd and, and Broner were on the fucking fritz. Right. Yeah, hey, you're exactly right, man. All right, so uh, Tank Davis, congratulations. All right, Yevgen Kitrov, Emmanuel Aleem. Now, I, I didn't watch this fight because it wasn't broadcast on Showtime. Was it broadcast on Showtime on DirecTV? I didn't see it. I didn't see it either. Um, Kitrov got knocked out. Now, you and I started with the Kitrov conversation when we were talking about prospects. He didn't really come, <clears throat> he didn't really break over into that because he had an impressive debut and it seemed to seemingly go downhill after that. He, he became reckless. Um, the more skilled and athletic the fighters became, I don't know if he just thought that he could physically impose himself on these fighters, but his skill set seemed to deteriorate. Yeah. And what we also noticed in the last couple fights from Kitrov is that his gas tank is fucking horrible. He's got, dude, George Groves thinks he's got a bad gas tank. <laughs> Kitrov's done by the end of the second round. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I think it was maybe two, three fights ago when, you know, he started to come onto the scene as a possible prospect and, you know, Let's let's take a look at what this kid might possibly be able to do. After watching two or three fights, man, I was just thinking to myself, this kid ain't got nothing special, man. He just very very vanilla. He doesn't hit very hard, you know. Semi, you know, an action fighter, semi action fighter, but to me, just didn't have what it took to ever be a serious threat, man. Yeah, well, Emmanuel Aleem showed us. Uh, he did. That that's probably the level that Kitrov's going to get to. Yep. Um, you know, people were talking fight of the year. I think everybody, whoa, whoa, you know, was watching the con video simultaneously with Paulie. <laughs> um, you know, it was the same people that were saying that you know uh, Vargas versus Salido didn't involve any skill; it was just a brawl, right? And they're coming out and saying that this is is is, is a fight of the year candidate. I'm sorry, man. It had it, it was really exciting for two rounds, and then from that point on, for me, I watched two mediocre fighters get really fucking tired, and just wail on each other. Yeah, look, Ken, you got to, I mean, it's the PBC apologists that they get two good rounds, and all of a sudden they are ready to 
stand on their seat and scream to the world that this is a fight of the year candidate just because it's a PBC fight. But just because they want some type of justification for their retarded following and backing of this of this company that is just up until now, which there's some good fights scheduled, but let's not get ahead of ourselves and, and start saying the PBC is the savior of boxing. I mean, these people are looking, they're dying to be able to tell everybody, see, I told you, the PBC, Al Heyman, shut the fuck up, dude. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what happens if you do like what, what, what Paulie and Amir Khan did and you have amazing hand speed and you blow your wad early? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then what? I mean, honestly, then what? You come out and say that this is fight of the year, but then the main event is actually way better involving way better fighters. So what is that? The fight of the fucking it's millennium? A, yeah, dude. That's what it is. I mean, dude, stop setting the bar so high for mediocre fights. Right. Bring it back down. Put it where it belongs. Well, by PBC standards, those were good fights. Those were great fights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic fights. All right. Then, all right, let's take a, uh, an email from a listener. I got this actually the morning after the fight from mm-hmm. Zachary Grendy. He writes, Kenny and Vin, give the Mayweather PBC promoters their due on the next show. This was an awesome card. I fucking detest the nonsense these fools have pulled in the last few years, but lately they're putting on awesome fights. Alem Kitroff deserves some shine. Fucking insane war and Kitroff will be back. How can you not love that heart? Take a flyer on one of their sleeper cards next time that they put on. Uh, we had great seats for 50 apiece. On my dime, least I can do. You guys have the best boxing podcasts out there. Zach. P.S. If you guys could pick one fucking fight right in the future, that would be great. <laughs> Williams, Cuellar, Pedraza, getting ridiculous. <laughs> well, if there's a part of that email that I agree with, yeah, it's the P.S. part there at the end. Oh, definitely. Because, uh, Zach, you're spot on, my friend. Yeah, we had a little bit of a heater last year, but it, yeah. 2016 was the year of mismatches, so it wasn't that uh, yeah, hard to it's pretty make easy. It's pretty easy. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right, so the, you know, the first part of this email, then. Yeah. Give the Mayweather uh, PBC promoters their due on the next show. This was an awesome card. Okay, his perspective. Zach, your perspective. I wish I'd have been there. My perspective would probably be much higher mm-hmm. on the whole event. I mean, right. the fight, that... That's all I need. Right. But you see it, you pay $50 and you get something better in return. Wow. That's fucking, isn't that how business is supposed to work? And that's not, you know, anything on Zach. That is, like, that's what we've been talking about with the PBC. Right. Is, so, look, this model actually works. We provide a entertainment value at an affordable price. People show up and they get their value out of comparing the excitement to the cost to attend the event. And guess what? Yeah, if you got it for fifty bucks, dude, you got to fucking steal, my friend. Yeah, that was a. I, I, as far as going to a fight and being there live, you couldn't ask for two better fights than what you got. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was, was it nineteen rounds, eighteen rounds of action. Yeah, I mean, just uh, and apparently uh, the cards that weren't televised were good too. Yeah, uh, look, I, I, you know, it's not that I don't want to give Mayweather Promotions any credit. They, they don't. They don't deserve the credit. The fighters deserve the credit here because Mayweather Promotions did nothing for this. So, but if we were giving them credit for what they did, but for the matchups, I'll give them credit. Okay, fine. That, that, oh, whatever. Yeah, but when all your fighters are in, are all sleeping in the same bed, yeah. Look, I can't give the PBC or the promoters credit for any of this. Okay, you can't give people credit. Nobody comes to me every day and says, "Ken, I just want to give you credit for doing your job today." <laughs> 
See, <laughs> because honestly, my credit is my paycheck at the end of the week. Right. And and as long as nobody yells at me, I'm good. Well, Mayweather didn't do anything. Exactly. So nothing. So so if you're giving him credit, you're giving him credit for doing his job. You're. I think. I <laughs> he's, think he's supposed to promote right. the fight. I think Zach's. That's why Zach wants to, wants us to give him credit. I just. I. I'm sorry, Zach. I can't do it, man. I, I can't. I. I give the fighters on that card every bit of credit they yeah, deserve no doubt. No because doubt. with no promotion and, and and nothing backing this fight, they they packed decent numbers in the arena and they put on a great show. All of the fights on the card. So kudos to the fighters. I ain't giving it to Floyd. Sorry. Yeah, because had these fights been dud, the, duds, the entire event would have been duds. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. So yeah, you got to give them credit. The, look, the matchmaking was good. Um, the the fighters deserve all the credit. I'm not going to give Floyd Mayweather credit for showing up on the day of the fight and standing in front of the camera. Um, that being said, I think it's awesome that you got to go to that for 50 bucks. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, I'm sad to say that I will not be able to attend Brooklyn March 4th um, for the uh, Danny Garcia versus... That press conference got lively today, boy. It did. But, Vin, you're available, and Zach said that he would treat, so... Uh, hey, I'll take a freebie. All right. I guess Vin, <laughs> Vin's going to be hitting you back. Uh, thanks for the email, man. Uh, we appreciate getting a perspective from somebody that was there. Thanks for listening to the show, as always. Um, all right, Vin, so let's move past the Showtime card, and let's get to the Shit Time card. Um, on Friday night, from some undisclosed restaurant in South Beach, uh, South Beach Miami, I couldn't tell if it was a Chili's or an Outback Steakhouse, Erzlandi <laughs> Lara squared off. No, it probably wasn't it either. It had to be somewhere kosher because he was fighting a rabbi. Yuri Foreman, the rabbi. All right, I'm just going to say this. This is all I have to say about this fight. When you're done saying what you have to say. Gonna, I don't have much to say. Here's what I have to say. Yuri Foreman fucking flopped. Oh, absolutely. Erzondi Lara is a fucking coward. Uh, Anthony Durrell, it's like a Christian that goes around Bible thumping, but they don't even go to church. You know, he, yeah. he, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Anthony Durrell is that. I'll show up once a year, talk about boxing. I'll jump in the ring, collect a paycheck. I know I can do this because my big uncle Al told me I could. He gets preferential treatment from Al, that's for sure. Yes, absolutely. So I don't give a fuck about two guys that clearly don't give a fuck. And Erzlandi Lara comes out after this fight's over and says, you know what, I'm ready for a unification. Give me Jermel Charlo. So, What about Jermall? Or what about, <laughs> what about Boo Boo? No, they don't. It, let me take the 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 lesser of of any challenge that's out there is is Jermel Charlo and Jermel's a good fighter and I'm not saying that's a toss up fight to me right to but honest. his power is perceived to be manageable right right I, I, dude the guy doesn't want to take any risks I don't care how many times he calls out whoever on Twitter I, I'm done with this guy Yuri Foreman catches a uppercut that deflects off of his chest and grazes grazes his chin. And he goes tumbling to the ground in a, in a weird, like, late reaction, weird fall. Just everything about it fucking stunk. And it stunk from the beginning. It, you know, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a fucking duck, right? And this fight, we all knew it was going to stink, and it stunk. So I, dude, that's all I got to say. I <clears throat> Drop a deuce on it? Yeah, big one. <laughs> big one. All right, let's get to the meat and potatoes, all right? The post-fight is done. Um, there's no big fights this weekend, but Vince and I will be back with episode 146 next week as we will be previewing the rematch of Leo Santa Cruz Can't wait. and Carl Frampton. Uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Zlatikinen, Garcia. Mm. 
But in the meantime, boxing delivers gifts to fill in the time during the winter months here as, as we are two days away and just a few miles from the inauguration of Donald Trump. So it's an interesting time around here. So how do we fill it? Canelo Alvarez versus Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Vince? Mexican carnage, huh? It's official. <laughs> I, dude, I, I love the fight. Not that, it, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a gratuitous matchup, but, dude, it's just it's, it's a fun fight. You, if you can't get behind this, it's a perfect build-up fight. If the Triple G fight is next, by the way, I mean, this is going to the numbers that this fight does is going to bring a lot bigger numbers to the Triple G fight and going to give Canelo more of an upper hand in the negotiations. A beautiful business move by by Golden Boy to make this fight. I, dude, I, I can't see any way how this fight isn't awesome. So Chavez is going to lay it on the line. I, he's, he's getting paid. We know he's going to make weight, or we, he's at least going to get within a pound <laughs> because each pound is $1 million. Yeah, that's a lot of pesos. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, I think the, the biggest storyline of this fight, Ben, is that Canelo has finally decided to move up yeah. from Canelo weight to super Canelo weight, you know, from 154 to 164.5. No. <laughs> well, I mean, what is it? He, Why couldn't it have just been 165? They got to they gotta suck that extra half pound out of Julio. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, because if they, cool. if, yeah, because you know if you give him an inch – if they said this thing's at 168, mm-hmm. dude, he'll come in at fight night 190 pounds. Now he still might. Oh, yeah. He's going to be the bigger man, that's for sure. Uh, well, I don't know. We've heard Canelo coming in the ring at 180. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and try to predict who's going to be stronger. Probably Canelo, uh, just based off the fact that they're going to try to suck Julio Cesar Chavez down. Mm-hmm. Now there's a big size difference in this fight as far as height is concerned. But I'll tell you what, man, I just see this fight going one way i just see body shot after body shot after motherfucking body shot hitting them fruit loops hitting them fruity pebbles uh, (laughs) silly faggot dicks are for chicks you know what i'm saying dude canelo is gonna wear he's tailor made down chavez is tailor made for canelo canelo will land big shots and chavez will withstand a lot of them for half or so of the fight but eventually he is just the beating is going to Beat him down to the canvas, and he will lose this fight by knockout. Opening odds for the fight, Canelo Alvarez is minus 1,000. That tell you right there. I mean, <laughs> come on. Oh, dude, this is going to be great. Yeah, we I'm should, looking forward to it, man. We should have a fiesta <laughs> at Casa Vince. What do you think? Get a pinata. We'll get some seven-layer dip. Fill that pinata with some ganj. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know fucking Cron Vito will be there. <laughs> Give him a follow at Crown Vito, right? Oh my God, that dude is hilarious, man! <laughs> oh man! All right, so that's the big announcement that came. The fight will take place May sixth, Cinco de Mayo weekend, HBO pay per view. Um, I would be surprised if it does happen outside of Vegas, just because of how much money will be thrown to have this thing at at T Mobile. But this fight, you has don't think Jarrah Jarrah comes into play on just, this one? Just gonna say it. Yeah, I think Jarrah's world makes this thing into something really big. They could sell 75,000 tickets for this fight in Jerry's world, man. Easy. Easy. I don't know why you wouldn't. Why not increase your gate? How many how many tickets at Jerry's world would this fight sell? Deontay Wilder versus Andrew Warwick. Maybe 20. Maybe. 20 like 20. 20k. Uh, <laughs> 
is Canelo going to be there? No, he probably won't show up. I, I mean, this fight can. Uh, you know, I'll give it to him. Fine, Wilder, you're coming yeah, so back it's from a comeback injury. fight. I won't give him. I'll, I'm, I'm give him not going to give him hell, but you know, we've seen it long enough. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. Warwick is a pillow fisted. Uh, you know, just a no chin, just the softest heavyweight <laughs> fighter that you could possibly pick. Do not be confused by the record, folks. Just don't. If you if you're if you're lost as to who we're talking about, uh, Andrew Warwick. Okay, I'm not going to sit here and break down his box rec form. You can search that out yourself. But if you are listening to this on the audio version on iTunes, please switch over to YouTube. Um, do a search in the search bar and type in Deontay Wilder's opponent's name. And what will come up is one of the greatest U2 videos of all time of a boxer. And it is Andrew Warwick getting knocked the fuck out. And somebody puts it to a beat, and it makes it look like he's dancing as he's getting knocked out. Dude, it is the funniest fucking thing I ever saw. As soon as the fight was announced, somebody tweeted out the video and said Wilder's next opponent. (laughs) Uh, You thought that uh, all his other schleps were bad. Oh man! Yeah, it's just it, one it's, more. Whatever. It's just one more, Ken. Look, if it if it leads to what we're hearing, it may lead to. I, you know, I'm not mad. And if all roads do lead to uh, you know, unification fight of some sort, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Yeah, do you break your hand? I'm not going to expect you. I, we weren't the ones that were saying that Deontay Wilder was going to come back and fight Anthony Joshua three months after he broke his hand for the third time. Yeah, that was you know his his personal. Uh, public relations crew led by Jake Donovan and everybody that wanted to argue with us about broken hands before. Right, right. Okay? Yep. Uh, I don't blame him for this at all because if you're coming back and fighting Joshua after your third broken hand, you're getting knocked the fuck out. Oh, absolutely. And Because there's no there's no guarantee his hand stands up in this fight. I don't care how sorry this guy is. No, he could knock Bark out and break his right hand again, and his career's over if he breaks his hand again. I'm sorry. It's done. He won't become a... Uh, one-handed fighter, a left-handed fighter? Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> He's a little behind the curve there. So Joseph Parker, in the wake of lifting his WBO heavyweight title, is looking for his next big fight. And a unification fight has been discussed with Parker's camp and Deontay Wilder's camp. They had good conversations. It's nothing more. No details were ironed out. They weren't actually sitting down negotiating the fight. But both parties are interested in the fight. Now, with that February fight, uh, for Deontay Wilder, he could possibly come back and fight Joseph Parker in April, okay? That is very realistic if if he gets rid of this guy like he should. But the question really remains because of these fights being staggered, Deontay Wilder coming back when he is, Joseph Parker wanting to fight when he does, and the fact that mandatory challenger to the WBO heavyweight belt somehow was fucking David Hay. I have no idea how that fucking... I guess you get yeah. 16 million YouTube followers for fighting a bum and you get automatically catapulted into a mandatory Joke. status. Joke. The good thing is, is that he's fighting Tony Bellew. Yeah. Right? So, and, was, and he keeps that status, by the way. What status is that? Biggest douchebag on YouTube? <laughs> Worst hair? Yeah. All of that. Best steroid tits? And the most overrated number two ranked fighter in any division in boxing. What the fuck? Whatever. The point is, is that the WBO is going to move past him. Yeah. And if they announce Huey Fury as the mandatory, which it looks like they're going to, um, then Joseph Parker versus Huey Fury may be in the interim. He'll get that mandatory out of the way. The mm-hmm. WBO will recognize that, even though, hey, he kind of sits there stagnant. How he got there, I don't know. But apparently his ego is too big to move back down. So Joseph Parker, Deontay Wilder, probably to me, just based off of this timeline, more realistic for June. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, summertime fight for sure. They're not going to turn around and fight two months after they just fought. They just fought. Give me a break. Yeah. Um, Joseph Parker versus Huey Fury is interesting. I don't even want to speculate on that fight because yeah. Huey Fury just needs a fucking fight. Right. Okay? Like this, 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 I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's fake. American and UK uh, fucking liberal culture media are all telling us that we're supposed to just assume the best first. You know what I mean? Like we're all just supposed to like, like we're supposed to be like the major networks in the United States that jump out in front of every story with the most politically correct way to present it. Right. And then when it starts falling apart, um, was it Jose, the pitcher for the Marlins? Oh, uh, Fernandez. Yeah. Jose Fernandez. New story breaks. Oh, this kid, he was the brightest ball of sunshine. Everybody loved him. Million dollar smile. That's all they're talking about. And then they either briefly mention or stuff it all the way at the bottom of the page. The fact that his boat was found at three o'clock in the morning. Let me ask you this. You ever driven a boat? On weed? No. <laughs> Have you ever driven a boat, jacked up on cocaine, piss-ass drunk in the middle of the ocean and ran into a wall of rocks? No. He was a sweet kid, though, Vin. Um, you see, the, the, this is the mentality, and it's, it's pervasive in, mm-hmm. in our culture and the British culture. Right. Okay? And this is the kind of perception that we're supposed to have with Huey Fury. First off, this is fucking boxing. And if you saw Angel Garcia at the Keith Thurman, Danny... Uh, Danny Garcia press conference. What a joke. They give me a fucking break about calling Tyson Fury and Huey Fury fucking batshit crazy. They're either full of shit and, p- and pulling a charade right. that they know what they're doing or they're batshit crazy. If you're crazy, you're crazy. You cut your dick off, you should be thrown into a tar pit. These are things that are common knowledge <laughs> in society. Crazy is crazy. We can't just cover up these things so we can get votes then. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, let's let's make this fucking this creature over here. Let let's call it a human. Hey, creature, you down there? <laughs> Sh- shine Vince's shoes. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean it, it is what it is. Huey Fury, get in the fucking ring. Stop yeah. with the charade. Stop with the shit talking. Just because your cousins with, with with Tyson Fury doesn't entitle you to, to anything. To anything. What has this fucking kid done? Nothing. I'm excited about the fact that there is a semi-skilled, gigantic, super heavyweight prospect that could fill into these little voids and round out a potential top 10 in the heavyweight division. Mm -hmm. Guys like Huey Fury. Guys like Jarrell Miller. I love Jarrell Miller's personality. What else do we get? He he needs to get in the ring more often. Showbox. Yeah. I mean, that's the level so far, right? Right. So now, either April 22nd or May 20th, potentially on Showtime, the fight conversation has been breached by your boy, Steven Espinoza, because oh, he wants to bring this thing to Showtime. Love that guy. I, I've heard that HBO also has interest once this got leaked that these two camps were talking. Luis Ortiz, Jarrell, Big Baby Miller, a heavyweight clash. Mm-hmm. Steven Espinoza wants to have it in Luke DeBello's backyard at the Barclays Center. All that bullshit aside that we don't really care about. What do you think about the possibility of King Kong versus Big Baby? Uh, that's a great fight, man. A great fight. Uh, you know, I, I favor Ortiz in the fight, but you gotta you gotta think like Ortiz has been waiting all this time for a shot, and then all of a sudden, uh, he's gonna he's gonna draw a kind of a wild card in the heavyweight division that you really don't know where he falls in in the rankings. <clears throat> 
But I think it's a fucking scary fight for anybody in the heavyweight division. I mean, the guy, I, I, I can't picture anybody knocking out Jarrell Miller. I can't see it. He is a mass of a man. Biggest fucking thighs in the division, that's Dude, for sure. He, I, I just can't see anybody hurting him. Now, I don't, know, I don't know if that big man can last very long, but we'll see. Hmm. Jarrell Miller says he's going to beat the brakes off that old motherfucker. <laughs> that was hilarious, man. Honestly, look, I love Jarrell Miller's personality. I think his humor mm-hmm. is perfect. If he can back it up, then, dude, he's great for boxing. Absolutely. He's witty. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like He knows what he's doing as far as promoting himself in a, in a funny way that appeals to everybody, all demographics. He doesn't isolate anybody. He communicates with his fans on Twitter. This guy's got the package to be branded to be something in the heavyweight di- uh, division. And let's be honest. Heavyweight division may be interesting right now. Eh, there's only one American player in the game right now, my friend. Yeah, we could we could use another one. Exactly. To me, what this fight is is two fucking blobs that are unable to get away from one another. <laughs> and if that's the case, and I've always I, I I have seen Jarrell Miller's power to me seems to be of the variety of it's more concussive. Mm-hmm. He beats you down over time. Ortiz can crack. And Uh-oh. if Miller is anywhere in range and does not make Luis Ortiz chase after him, if he's right there, this fight is going to be really bad for Miller. He, yeah. He could get hurt in this fight. This fight also could get very sloppy if it carries on past the sixth, seventh round. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about no. You're talking about two guys that are going to be sucking the air, the oxygen out of whatever arena they're in. Yeah. Um Hey, if it happens, it happens. A- April 22nd, May 20th. I don't care what network, network it's on. Sign me up. This is a great fill-in fight, man. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, these matchups that we're hearing are fucking great. All right, so the official announcement, Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia, WBA, WBC, welterweight unification. This fight was announced with uh, that big press release by Showtime when Steven Espinoza was fluffing himself, convincing himself that his average of 300,000 viewers per fight made him the king of boxing. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you're put up on a pedestal by uh, big Papa Al, Hey man, it's like fucking Leo and Titanic. Believe, you believe in anything. The king of the world. Yeah. All right. So Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia is official at Barclays. I guess that's the only place they're, uh, they're getting a deal. Yeah. They don't have any money left. So they're getting a deal, but this will be on free TV. It'll be on uh CBS press conference was held today. Vince pretty memorable. Uh, yeah. Apparently angel Garcia can, uh, do and say whatever he wants. Uh, apparently it's, there's no racism is the line is blurred when it, when it comes to a retarded Spanish man who thinks he can fucking say whatever he wants to anybody. I don't, I don't know how somebody in there did not come up, either rip the mic out of that man's hands or straight up knock his dumb ass out. I, he is the most ignorant motherfucker in the sport on a mic. He should never, ever have a microphone in his face. And I get it. It's a fucking train wreck. And it sells, so they let him. I mean, dude, he's standing up at the table with with Keith Thurman at the podium trying to just talk about the fight. Angel Garcia takes his mic off the table, stands up, and just will not stop. He steals the spotlight from his son and makes his son, I'm sorry, he just drives hatred towards his son as far as I'm concerned. He does nothing for his son's career. Well, DSG's a six-toed deaf mute. What do you expect? (laughs) 
Yeah, he doesn't say much, does he? He's he doesn't have anything to add to the promotion. Yeah, that's why he wears his grandma's porcelain mask. I mean, Thurman's at least adds a little bit when he gets on the mic. He's got a little flair. He can talk shit. Uh, Danny Garcia. That's why he's got to have his mouthpiece dad just saying the most ignorant, ignorant shit possible. Yeah, man. I mean, that's the whole PBC thing, though, man. It's a double standard. Yeah, you know, you're gonna let this this Puerto Rican immigrant, okay? Um, yeah, I mean, if the United States didn't decide that it wanted Puerto Rico to be part of the country, mm-hmm. then he would be just like everybody else. But the fact remains, he's from another country, right? Mm-hmm. His bloodline, apparently. I mean, they went back there. Nobody re- knew that they were from there. Right. <laughs> you remember that? And then they replayed that shit for the preview of another fucking Danny Garcia fight, this homecoming footage. Jesus. Anyways, man. that's neither here nor there. But he, he, he sits there and he trashes. You let all these fucking immigrants come over here and fucking blah, take over boxing, blah, blah, blah. What? Excuse me. Like, you're an American. Everybody here's a fucking immigrant in some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. right? But you're going to sit here and trash immigrants that are coming over now? Like, these aren't fucking people that are sneaking over in banana trucks. Like, these people have fucking work visas. Right. Like, they're coming here to make money. Yeah. Like, they're professional people do not fucking street rat fucking crackheads out there long dicking it Ty- tyrone style you know but then he's out there dropping n-bombs calling keith thurman he's fucking half white right half black just n n-bomb after n-bomb oh but he's street and in the pbc world that's that, cool oh that's cool in the pbc bubble that's that's all good man yeah but a puerto rican that signed with top rank he can't be saying that it's ridiculous, he, he, man. It's, it's like he's a made. Look, I either look at it like this: he's he's either a made man in the PBC ranks, right. okay, and he can get away because he's so you know whatever, or he's literally the village retard who, who just follow. He's like, ah, he can't really. Nah, don't hit him, man. You can be beating up retards. What's your problem? You know, I mean, to me, can do he, they feel sorry for him? I, I think they do. I think everybody does. I think they just kind of treat him like he is a mentally challenged human being that they should just let say whatever he wants, you know, get away with whatever he can get away with. I think more he can than pee he, in a Target bathroom, too. <laughs> I think his main goal, and he went completely over the fucking top. I mean, this is the most over the top he's gone in, in, in any number of ridiculous interviews that he's done. He's trying to get Keith Thurman off his game. I mean that's 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 the goal here. He's trying to make Keith get Keith Thurman off his game because I think they know that this is the this is going to be their toughest fight yet. I mean they're they're going to eat some punches in this fight that they haven't eaten. And, and, uh, Danny hasn't eaten in his career. Good luck, man, because I don't think Thurman really gives a shit. I really don't. <laughs> I don't think he does either. To, he's too. I'm gonna say a light. He's <laughs> he's just too like he lets shit roll off his shoulders, man. He's he's a pothead. He doesn't care. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know our our uh, you know our brothers from another mother that listen to this show that love us as much as we love them. Uh, I know that they you know they would hate for me to say this, but I think the truth is, and this goes back to the whole Dave Chappelle show. I think uh, I think the uh, Caucasians drafted Keith Thurman. I think I I, I do. I, I honestly I know it's not you know politically correct to say, but that's why we have a fucking podcast. And if you don't like it, shove it up your ass. <laughs> You know, but the you know the truth is, I do. I think Keith Thurman. I think he. I think he associates more with his white side. It seems like it. He he carries himself that way. That's for sure. You know, I mean, look, it's neither here nor there. It's it's fucking inappropriate either way. Oh, absolutely. Have your opinion about people. You know, have your stare. Everybody has stereotypes, and if you don't have fucking stereotypes, then well, you know what? (laughs) 
You are so perfect. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody has these things about them. Some people take it to, you know, a level that, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you are mentally challenged, I mean, is it, do you take it seriously? <laughs> I can't take him seriously. This guy gets me so worked up, man. He does, but hey, look, as much <laughs> as I, he shouldn't have a mic in his face, the dude, he just provides cannon fodder, man. I mean, just. Oh, yeah. Shit shows for days. <laughs> Dude, I seriously think that fucking Broner and Angel Garcia should have a show together. Not a podcast. I want to see that shit on video. Oh, not definitely not a podcast. The whole premise of the show is it's it, it's like that show on Discovery Channel, Booze Traveler, where this guy just travels around to different countries and explores their drinking culture. Right. And he like goes to their pubs and like drinks their native drinks and you know just gets wasted and plays drinking games with these people. Right. Angel Garcia and Adrian Broner should do that show on that would be unbelievable because you would see angel garcia get knocked out in probably a dozen countries (laughs) i think broner would knock him out (laughs) oh dude it would be fucking epic how long does it take before he drops an n-bomb when broner's sitting right next to him i don't know man broner's so used to being floyd's bitch who knows yeah he'd either take it personally or he wouldn't even notice Fucking Angel Garcia, baby. Long dick and bitches Tyrone style. Yes, sir. So apparently it, it it was kind of structured in a way, I guess, that got people excited the way this was announced. 80% of the tickets for the fight will be priced 50 to $150. Hey, I, I love that. You know, get people in the fucking arena. Yes. Just for, get them in the arena. It will make this fight so much better. I, I, I think this fight's going to do big numbers, man. I think it's going to do really big numbers. I think it's going to be huge, too. It's going to be the, uh, the biggest fight, the biggest numbers the PBC have had in any fight. Yeah. All right. So, Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia coming to a theater near you. Our, our also announced this week, Vin, uh, March 11th, HBO Boxing After Dark returns to the Turning Stone Casino. Um, Verona, New York, David Lemieux versus Curtis Stevens, a middleweight clash. The first thing I want to say about this when this was announced was how sort of fickle Okay. Now I've never, I I think Dan Raphael is a hard worker. I think he's a good reporter. I rely on a lot of his information, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to him analyzing fights and scoring fights, you know, I I think that he has no business doing that. I think he is a a boxing fan that is, is good at his job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'll give him respect for that. But the way he came out and immediate as uh, being the, the biggest voice of boxing journalism really and come the biggest platform, yeah. And the biggest man. Um, <laughs> just coming out and, and literally sitting right on top of David Lemieux versus Curtis Stevens and just shitting on it right out of the gate. It's like he didn't even read his own. When he cut and paste that fucking press release, mm-hmm. he didn't even read it. Like, it's on boxing, HBO. Look, people have been bitching about what goes on HBO pay-per-view. Why aren't there enough HBO championship boxings? Where the fuck did HBO boxing after dark go? Yeah. Well, here it is. And not only is this the perfect fight for boxing after dark, this is the kind of fight that is supposed to headline that platform. But this is a can't miss early contender. This will be there in that conversation at the end of the year for fight of the year. This is uh, going to be fireworks from the opening bell. It, it all depends on what Curtis Stevens we get. Because if we get a Curtis Stevens that shows up just to collect a paycheck, David Lemieux is going to mow through him. He will knock him out quickly. 
But if we get Curtis Stevens that is prepared and comes to box a little bit and fight, dude, this is going to be, you know, it has the, the possibility of being a one of the five best fights of the year. And it's going to be cheap as hell to be in the arena if you want to go to it. I guarantee these tickets are going to be. There's not a bad seat in the house. That's one of the best boxing venues I, I've been to. I mean, it's tucked in tight. The upper deck hangs right over top of the ring, it, it, it feels like. Dude, there's not, this is another great fill-in fight. I don't know how anybody could complain about this. This is the, the gratuitous, bloodlust, bloodthirsty, like any boxing fan that loves, that loves boxing at its core just, just to see two guys trade. This is what we're going to get. How can you fucking complain? Give me a break. I'll take this fight all day. Whatever, whatever, Dan. Yeah. Fucking Dan. <laughs> Dan always ruining shit. All right. Speaking of fights, announcements, and fights with potential fireworks, mm-hmm. the cruiserweight division. We we've said it before. You can slice this pie, however you want to. Every slice is going to be pretty damn good. Yeah. Marco Hook versus. Marius Bradis for the interim WBC cruiserweight title with Tony Bell. You moving up the heavyweight to take on David Hayes ego. The WBC belt will go into interim status in the meantime. So hook and Bradis do the deal. Dude, I'll tell you what, man, <laughs> this is not going to last long. No, no. Inside of 10 rounds. I, I think we're kind of seeing the end of Marco hooks reign as a, as a top five cruiserweight. I think Bradis is going to get him in this fight, man. Well, I think so too, but, this is exactly the kind of fight you have to win if you're Bradis. Oh, yeah. This is a guy that some people revere really highly at 200 pounds, mm-hmm. okay? They're really, really high on this guy. Regardless of where Hook is in his career, Hook's a modern legend of the cruiserweight division. Still got a uh, super heavy right hand. Yeah. I mean, he's not – look, Marco Hook isn't going down in history as the greatest boxer in the world. No. But this dude has been in fucking wars. He brings it every fucking time he gets out there. He lays it on the line. He has become increasingly vulnerable. I haven't seen him pump the brakes because his chin no. is getting a little long in the tooth. No. You know? This guy's got a cult following within the sport, man. <laughs> he does. There, there's people that live and die on Marco Hook fights, man. This is uh, Bradis's step right here. Yeah, I think he gets him, man. I really do. I'm looking forward to it, man. April 1st uh, in Germany. Hopefully somebody picks this up. If not, it'll be on the radio. April 15th from the motherland, Glasgow, Scotland. Ricky Burns versus Julius Ndongo. If you were to ask me last year before Adrian Broner vacated another belt on the scales, Mm -hmm. actually uh, vacated a, a belt on the scales that he won that was vacant against the guy coming off a loss when he came off of a loss. We don't need to go back that far no, in no, history. No. But if you would ask me last year when he dropped that belt, Ken, what do you think about a uh, Ricky Burns, Julius Ndongo, 140-pound unification fight? I'd have been like, what? <laughs> Who? Ricky Hatton? <laughs> um, <laughs> but this is a unification fight now. Some of our Scottish listeners may view Ricky Burns to be the legitimate WBA champion. That's He's the fun. king of Scotland, Ken. Let's <laughs> let's be honest. Well, you know what they say about our uh, our blood and brethren, right? Problem with Scotland is it's full of Scots. <laughs> <laughs> but truth be told, he is. I mean, Ricky Burns is a he's a good fighter, man. He's had a great career. Yeah. But look, this is Adrian Broner's belt. 
that he got to fight whatever. So he's got this. Did he belt. fight Krill Relic? <laughs> Sound like a Cajun dish. <laughs> Shrimp or sausage. Hey. <laughs> um, Julius Ndongo comes out of nowhere. I think he's from Namibia or something like that. Yeah. You know, nobody knows who this guy is. Comes in and knocks out the guy that was perceived to be out of all of boxing's 137 weight classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Troyanovsky was probably looked at as the biggest poser with a belt in all of boxing. You think? <laughs> he gets 45 seconds, gets flatlined by Ndongo, and next thing you know, we have a unification fight. The second unification fight in a year. Yeah. In the same division, Ricky Burns, Julius Ndongo. Unbelievable. I it, Just saying that, ringing those two names and saying that's a unification fight is fucking unreal. Terrence Crawford's like, what? Yeah, come on. I mean, look, it, it is what it is. There's belts involved. Fine. You know, I, I'm i a semi-fan of Ricky Burns just, just because I'm a, you know, I got, I have Irish and Scottish blood, so I give the man his, his, his respect. But uh, it's got to be coming to an end here with Sir Ricky. Doesn't it? And I don't think Ndongo's like this super talent that's going to end the, end his career. But he might. Yeah. I mean, Burns is thirty three. That's not exactly a spring chicken at one hundred and forty pounds. No, no. Uh, we've seen Burns. He's he's been up and down these last three, four, five fights. He's a couple times looked really, not really good, but looked good. And a couple times he's looked like shit. So. Well, I mean, we'll have to see what kind of chin Ndongo has because obviously that was not brought into question in the 45 seconds against Troyanovsky. And Ricky Burns doesn't have much power to speak of. I think he's got like a 25 or 30% knockout rate. I think he's got like 41 wins and like 14 knockouts or something. I think he's got like 120 wins in. (laughs) That Ricky Burns. Um, You know, look, I I don't expect much out of this, but if if, if, if Ndongo has a chin that can at least survive at this level, then Ricky Burns is really going to have to be on his high horse to not let this, because Ndongo's got the power advantage in yeah. this fight. Yeah, and he's hungry, so. Yeah, yeah. there's no doubt about it. So we'll see what happens, man. But look, Bud Crawford might be scratching his head about this one, but he's also licking his chops. Because if I'm if I'm Terrence Crawford and I see that this fight's being made, I'm tapping fucking grand, Grandpa Bob on his shoulder. And I'm saying, listen, old man, you pay that who, the winner of this fight Whatever it fucking takes. I will travel back to Scotland. I will fight Ricky Burns again in a rematch. Yeah. That would be a mega fight over there. If oh, Ricky Burns be. wins this fight, a rematch for all five belts, the ring in all four. They'd be going to watch their boy get massacred. I know that. It'd be a lot <laughs> different they, than the first fight. And deep down inside, they they probably know that. But they'd enjoy it. <laughs> man, I'd want to be there for that one. Holy shit, man. All right. And to cap off the official announcements fights that are made the biggest announcement of the week without a doubt the fight that everybody asked for Vanis Martirosian versus Ishe Smith part two I don't think I've ever heard the announcement of a rematch I mean there's some people in the UK and in Europe that were kind of crying about the rematch for you know Abraham versus Paul Smith. They were like, come on, do we really need to fucking see this? Right. This is on a completely different level. At least at one point, fucking Abraham was one of the top five fighters within two weight classes right. in the world. This is up there with Cleverly Bellew, too. This is worse than that. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, at least people know who they are. Right. I, I, I Dude, what is Marta Rosian just bouncing back and forth between Ishe Smith and, and Erzlandi Lara? I mean, is there no other options out there? Did Big Papa Al contact you about having this fight in your backyard? No, he did not, and I would deny. (laughs) 
I don't care. You offer me a million dollar site fee. I, I don't. Yeah, but Vin Floyd be there, yo. No, I I, I don't care, man. <laughs> that this fight is just. I, if there's one fight that's been announced this year that is completely worthless, it's this one. Yes. Well. Well, Lord, yeah, Foreman, Foreman, Lara, well, this, this trails that closely. At least this will be an even fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Doesn't involve a retired rabbi. I tell you what, man, Vonis is could easily be a candidate and a winner, the front runner for the award of most frustrating fighter to watch every single year. Yeah. So frustrating. Gives it seems to give fights away. Ishe Smith, on the other hand, is easily in the top three, possibly the front runner for fighter you don't want to watch. Oh my god! You know what I mean? Like worst fighter to watch in boxing award goes to Ishe Smith, and dude, he is the mousiest motherfucker on Twitter. He is, man. He is. He, actually, Everything racist, Vin. I've, I've, Everything. I've, I've had a back and forth with him a couple times, and it's like, I, I can't deal with this idiot. I don't think he knows what the hell we're even talking about right now. Yeah. Yeah, Vin. The the rich black guy is 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 having an argument with the uh, the blue-collar, middle-class white guy. <laughs> Everything racist. Yeah. Give me a break, man. Um, I'll tell you what's, what is, is, is blasphemous is this fight, man. It's going to be awful. Yeah, I will not be watching this fight. All right, other possible fights in the works. These have not been formally announced, but this information keeps getting leaked about this. And now it seems like we have a date. Now we're waiting for an announcement. April 8th, HBO, the debut of boxing at the MGM Grand National Harbor, at least the debut of real boxing. Thank you. Vasily Lomachenko versus Jezreel Corrales to unify the WBO and WBA super featherweight division and it's going to be in our backyard it gives us a chance to see high tech um i will be there yeah I, I can't imagine tickets being priced badly for that no uh i'm dying to get to mgm national harbor anyways because that place looks fucking amazing you drive by it a lot don't you oh my god I, one, at least once a week i drive right past that thing and i'm just I just itch i want to turn left <laughs> dude lomachenko versus corrales sign me up yeah, it's going to be a really good fight, man. Um, and rumored for the co-feature is a light heavyweight eliminator fight. Uh, Alexander Gabazdic versus uh, Panthro himself, Uneski Gonzalez. Uh, I've been looking forward to him getting back in the ring because he has given us his last two fights were just all-out wars. He laid everything on the line. I love everything about the kid in the ring. You know, Maybe he's like just a, a step shy of, of being at the top of the division, but I'll watch that kid fight any day of the week. Yeah, and Gavazdic had a good year last year, and he came off of a of a knockout of the year candidate. Who you favor going into this fight? Just just off hearing it on paper, Gavazdic. Yeah, yeah, I think we've seen the best of. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Uneski Gonzalez is is the perfect fighter for this point in Gavazdic's career. Gavazdic has to keep going with guys that are in and around the top ten. Right. Um, I think that Uneski will push him just far enough. Yeah, but I think Gabazic comes out on top. I think he's just a little bit better. Yeah, stops him late. Probably. Yeah. All right, and um, one more fight. We got a date finally for this rumored fight. At first, I thought it was just another tweet from the King of Ducks, uh, father of uh, <laughs> father father of chickens, um, Adonis Stevenson, a Ducknish Chickenson versus Joe Smith. Apparently, could be heading to the newly renovated former home of your what four time or five time world champion New New York Islanders. I think it was four time. At least in that building. Yeah. Um, Nassau Coliseum. Which looks like it's going to be part of this 
your mark Barclays Association PBC home. So not every fight has to be at the Barclays Center. We'll have right. some in Long Island. Joe Smith, Adonis Stevenson to open things up there. You know what? I've given Adonis Stevenson a lot of shit, and he deserves no free passes. He deserves to get stripped of his ring belt. Yeah, yeah he, he, he may still be the lineal champion, but he has taken the softest, the, the path of least resistance with the biggest uh, reward versus risk. Yeah. He, he doesn't have any problem collecting rewards, does he? No. But Adonis Stevenson looks like he's going to have a little challenge here. I mean, Joe Smith was a fighter of the year candidate last year. Proved us all wrong. Yeah, look, man. It's a good fight. I'm, su- I'm surprised Stevenson makes this fight. I-, I really am. I mean, I give him credit. Finally. Thank you. God damn, man. We've been waiting for something, anything. Uh, you know, it's risky. Risky, risky fight. Uh, you know, obviously he's going to be probably a pretty hefty favorite going in. And and I think at some point he's he's just a little bit more athletic and, and he just a, he's a more polished fighter than Joe Smith. Joe Smith's such a big boy. Dude. I know the way he's hurt guys. There's no reason for anybody to believe going into this fight or to not believe that Joe Smith has a serious chance because it appears that Joe Smith is always one punch away from winning a fight. Yeah, yeah there's no doubt. Yeah, and, and we know Adonis Stevenson is right, but we also know Adonis Stevenson has been chin checked in his career mm-hmm. a few times. Okay, he's been knocked out. Yes, so. Let, let's not pretend that the danger threat level diminishes because this is Adonis Stevenson instead of Andrew Funfara or a, or a 52-year-old Bernard Hopkins. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a good fight for all those reasons. It's, it'll be the first time Adonis Stevenson has truly been in danger since the back half of the Funfara fight. I'll tell you what, Joe Smith wins that fight, boy. Whew. Talk about a rise from nowhere to superstardom. Oh, dude, every boxing fan in America will be showing up to the arena wearing a uh, a yellow safety vest and a hard hat. <laughs> That's what they should do. Man. His, little, his following. The uh, the uh, highlighter vests. Oh, dude, that's got to be one of the greatest pictures of a fighter. That was awesome. With a belt over his shoulder. Taking it back to the job site. Yeah. <laughs> dude, the best part about it is, is that you and I both have one of those vests and hard hats in the car. It's easy, I, it's easy to relate to the guy. I'll more than likely be wearing one tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I got a light day tomorrow. I got <laughs> Not a, me. I got an appointment with uh, Chipotle at 11, uh, five guys at three. Yeah? Yeah. yeah well, I, I'll tell you what. I'm wearing my, hat, my hard hat all day downtown tomorrow because uh, the crazies are flooding into Washington, D.C. for the inauguration. Then, what are you, about 6'2"? Yeah. 220 pounds? Yep. Okay. I, I think you'll be fine. Ah, I, yeah, I'll be fine. I, I, I think the people... That you're talking about, I think uh, on average, I think to be able to fit into that, first you have to have the Brooklyn strain of DNA, uh, which gives you the long beard to go along with the diminutive 125-pound frame. Right. They'll be wearing skinny jeans. But like zombies, if enough of them get on your back, they will take you down. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I'm fearing, <laughs> is a mob. I like to see you there, Vin. The, the, <laughs> they'll be like climbing up on you like little tiny people, and you'll be sitting there drinking your... Your cup of Joe and your mug that says liberal tears. <laughs> Did you little pussies go back to work? <laughs> oh, oh, none man. of them kids have worked a hard day in their life either. Yeah. I mean, if if, if losing at uh, Call of Duty is, is a hard day, then they, they've they had rough lives. And they don't know what losing is. They've never lost. 
All right, let's leave it there, Vin. All right, brother. Let's close the show. Episode 145, getting a little loose tonight. Another late episode. You can always tell when Vin and I are burning the midnight oil because things get a little crazy. I'll tell you what, by the end of these late shows, my brain is about to shut the F down, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a tough one. Yeah. Sorry out there. <laughs> but uh, big up to Zach for writing into the show. Glad you had fun at the fights. Uh, we appreciate your thoughts. Uh, feel free to email the show, podcast at theboxingrant.com with your thoughts about any fight. Yeah, I mean, ask, ask us a question for the show, whatever, man. Yeah, I mean, most of the stuff that we get, we can't read because we're usually getting trolled by listeners of uh, boxing podcasts with the acronym TBV, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I'm Kenny Keith. You can follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. For Vince Cummings, follow him at Vince Cummings 81. And be sure to drop by theboxingrant.com today and subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes, Google, and of course, Spreaker, and subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today. We appreciate all of you for tuning in to episode 145 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody. 